Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Oh, wow, everyone. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By, and guess what? I'm your host, Dr. Pepicelli, joining you live. About 14 hours of talk radio every week. And if you want to find out how you can tune in and turn us on just about 24-7, you can go to www.thedrpatshow.com, or you can go to drpatlive.com. That's drpat live.com. Great, great, great show for everyone tonight. So glad you could join us here because this is a topic that I love. I love chatting about. And tonight joining me on the show is someone that most of us in 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 the field of leadership honor and and certainly do respect. Someone who is out there telling it like it is and making sure that we get the message. Uh, John Baldoni is joining me here today. He's a recognized thought leader in leadership communications, as well as popular motivational speaker, executive coach, communications consultant, and, boy, I could go on and on and on. The bottom line for me, though, you know, this is someone that is out there to make a difference. For nearly 20 years, he has consulted a number of companies across the globe. He's worked with some of the top companies in the world. And what is he doing with them? He's telling them what they can do, what they must do, if they choose to do it. Tonight he's joining me as someone that has been named one of the top 30 most influential leadership gurus in the world. And we're here to talk about leadership. But more importantly, we're here to talk about his new, brand new, hot, 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 lead by example book, what we can learn, what we need to know, and how each of us needs to step up to the plate to make a difference in today's world. John, thank you so much for joining us, and I want to welcome you to the Dr. Pat Show. What a warm welcome, Pat. You are more than kind, and thank you for the uh, privilege of being on your show. Well, I have to tell you, I don't know if uh, folks have told you this is one of my favorite topics, one of the things I love talking about, um, but I, I must say that the way that you have laid this out in this book, Lead by Example, 50 Ways Great Leaders Inspire Results, is really unprecedented in a lot of ways. I read a lot of books. I get a lot of things across my desk. But, boy, you are really challenging us to step up to the plate, don't you think? Well, uh, kind of you to say that. I, I'm not going to say that on my own behalf, but I will say that I um, hope the book um, gets to the root of how leaders can make a difference. And critical to this book, and, and the genesis of it, is to create followership, because leaders certainly within an organizational context, uh, Pat, achieve very little by themselves. They need to get the support of people behind them. But I like to say that um, leadership, from a leadership perspective, that leadership is all about you. But at the same time, Pat, leadership is not about you. And what I mean by that is that it's about it's not about you because it's about enabling followers to achieve a good for the organization and it's about leaders to create conditions for people to succeed but whose responsibility is it to create those conditions well that falls to the leader so in that instance it's all about you as the leader so there's a yin and yang i believe when we think of the leader follower dynamic I am so thrilled you brought up the notion of following because we don't we don't get to talk about that much uh, in in organizations, especially around the boardroom. And no, we don't. And, we don't, uh, do we? Uh, no, we don't. And and it's very critical. And um, it, feel, followers have a responsibility too. It, while uh, while uh, we're focused on leaders, and, and, and rightly so, because they're the ones to whom we entrust the guidance, the the the, uh, uh, the future of our organizations. But, le- but followers have a role to play, too. It's a two-way street. And leaders can't always be the ones giving, giving, giving. There has to be some recipro- reciprocity. But first and foremost, uh, organizational, uh, an organization will succeed to a degree on the quality of, the, of its leadership from 
but from the top as well as to the bottom. Someone made a comment to me, and I and I saved it for this show. And you know, they made a comment to me of oh, you know, a couple of years ago, and I was doing my interviews uh, for for my dissertation, and you know, they said to me, you know what, things have changed. It used to be that lead that followers would follow because they wanted to. Now, us followers, we follow because we have to. And I thought, wow, I'm saving that question for you. Do you believe that that's true? Is there any truth to that, John? There is truth to it, but I hope I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to totally buy into that. Certainly, okay. Pat, right? What's happening right now in our tough recession? You know, of course, everyone says that we're in the toughest recessionary times since the Great Depression. My own home state of Michigan, frankly, Pat, we're in the depression uh, and have been for a while. So, yeah, you could feel that, gosh, I'm lucky to have my job. So whatever my boss tells me to do, I will do. And so there's a a degree of that. But I think that uh, I will go back to the great Peter Drucker, who um, uh, I've learned so much from, said Mm -hmm. that really in organizations that, as we as we consider a knowledge economy where people contribute their brain power to an organization and many organizations at least on the corporate structure are set up that way you have to treat organizations excuse me you have to treat employees as volunteers i.e. they want to be there they want to contribute now i'm pretty sure dr drucker got that idea from his work uh, for the Girl Scouts, and he was so ad- so admiring of the the Girl Scout organization, which was a, a volunteer. It is a voluntary organization, of course. So, and I still think that it's still up to the leader to do to go that extra mile, to do more to help the organization succeed. And the way you do that from a leadership perspective is to create conditions for people to succeed. And yes, I mean. When we we th- we think of titles or we think of managerial role, you are you tie, as the military says you're given a rank, but you earn your leadership, and you earn that leadership from, by treating your people squarely so that they reciprocate and want to do what it is you need to do. Now, Pat, you can get into the theories of motivation that, as you know probably better than I as a Ph.D. in, in behavioral sciences, that you know, motivation is intrinsic. Um, mm-hmm. We can't compel, excuse me, we don't, you know, really, uh, excuse me, um, We people want to do things. Can you motivate someone by force? No, you can compel people to do things, Pat, but I don't know that you can compel them. And, and, uh, and if you do, what you get, as we say in the HR world, you get compliance, not commitment. And in these tough times, we need people who are committed to the organization, committed to their leaders. Why? So they can help the organization succeed. Wow. You know, I love this topic, and I love, John, the way that you talk about it. So much passion and so much wisdom. John uh, John Baldoni joining me here today. The book that I've got in front of me here and that I'm going to refer to uh, throughout the conversation is Lead by Example, 50 Ways Great Leaders Inspire Results. I wanted to ask you, uh, John, uh, you, you know, look, we come right out of the gate with the book where in part one, you do not beat around the bush. You come out and say, set the right example. And I wanted to ask you about uh, coming out of the gate and talking about this right now, but I wanted to ask you, uh, were you compelled by the stories that you heard to really step up front and challenge us to set that right example? I think so. I mean, I think it's a leader's primary responsibility is to instill Mm -hmm. trust. And how do you instill trust? Well, you do what's right. You set the right example. And sometimes setting the right example is pretty easy. You know, you show up for work, you you share things. But as as I explore later on in the book, it's also making those tough choices. And that's where the leadership... Yeah, let's talk about that when we come back from break. Because I'll tell you, we all get to make tough choices. But we don't have a book. Today we do. Lead by example, John Baldoni. Very special guest. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. Introducing the featured re-release of Cat James' grassroots best-selling book, The Truth About Beauty, Transform Your Looks and Your Life from the Inside Out. The Truth About Beauty represents the most comprehensively researched and inspiring body and beauty guide to date. It's been called a masterpiece by New York Magazine's two-time nutritionist of the year, Oz Garcia. 
and a path to personal triumph by former Glamour publisher Suzanne Grimes. The re-released edition of this modern health and beauty classic features 40% new material, including James' long-awaited recipes from her acclaimed Total Transformation programs, plus her living formula for freedom from food obsession, state-of-the-art natural skin, supplement, and anti-aging strategies, and a natural product resource guide called Worth Its Weight in Gold by Marie Claire Magazine. If you're ready to get serious, get the truth about beauty and transform yourself today. Visit informedbeauty.com. Transform your looks and your life with Cat James' Total Transformation Teleprogram. Learn the core modules of the truth about beauty, shedding, feeding, cultivating, and living beauty. Save time and money with live-as-you-learn pacing and no life disruption. Teleprograms make perfect follow-up or prep for Cat's five-day mountain chalet programs. Go to informedbeauty.com or call 877-54-TOTAL. Next program starts August 27th. Visit informedbeauty.com. Are you feeling a little lost? Powerless to overcome your challenges? Dawn Stansfield is a compassionate healer and intuitive messenger who focuses on your self-empowerment by examining current day circumstances, whether they are past, present, or future. She offers practical tools to help you overcome difficult situations and move forward in your life path. For a private consultation, contact Dawn today at 425-453-8180 or visit dawnsvision.com. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And I, I want to introduce you very, very especially to my guest joining the show today. And, you know, I'm so thrilled. I'm so honored to have John Baldoni joining us here on the show. You know, he is the author of many books. Uh, he's the author of Great Communication, Secrets of Great Leaders, and the book that I am, like, totally jazzed about right now is the one in front of me. Lead by example. It is a mouthful, but more importantly, it is a heartful. And John, thank you so much for joining the show today. Um, wow. So let me ask you this question. Uh, many people would say, oh, geez, another book on leadership. But when I read it, I didn't, I didn't get that feeling. I got, oh my goodness, we're getting a book now that step by step, that there will be no excuse in the boardroom for anyone to fail if they follow this book. Yet, people choose not to follow what you have to say. Well, I, I would say that um, I would like to say that the the wisdom that, that is distilled in that book comes from many sources. Uh, right. I've had the privilege of working with some exceptional men and women leaders throughout my career, and I'm also a great student of history. and um, And uh, I have I will say I, I would like to say that I've channeled their collective wisdom into fifty different parts uh, parts here. So that so I would say I will give credit to my mentors, teachers, and coaches over the many years that I've been privileged to do what I do. And um, so, I mean, leadership is a choice. Uh, I think that's what you're getting at, Pat. And all of us are not cut out to be leaders, and there's nothing wrong with that. The challenge comes when a person is promoted into a position of authority and management, then he or she needs to rise to that challenge to, as I like to say, get out of her skin and begin to lead others. And so often there is a will to do it, but sometimes we just don't know how. Because sometimes our, our our cultures, we're pretty good at technical training, and we do some professional development, but we don't do enough of uh, of enabling people to lead and develop. And that doesn't necessarily mean you need to go to a special school or executive development program, although that's great, um, and executive coaching helps. But so often we just need good role models, good managers, good uh, mentors, those.
those who have shepherded us along. That's really how we learn leadership. And, and so often, those, when you talk to senior leaders or anyone who has achieved anything, it's, and you ask them the sources of their leadership inspiration or insight, it, it will inevitably come. It may be a parent, it may be a coach, it may be a pastor, but in a work environment is also maybe my first boss. Or, um, and sometimes their first boss was a terrible boss, and, and they learned um, essentially what not to do. I always like to quote uh, a, a quote from um, Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's as a franchise unit, always used to say that he was a great quipster, um, but he would always say, what's the secret of your success, Ray? And he would say, well, I just did everything the opposite of what Dairy Queen did. <laughs> and so what he meant was that his whole philosophy with treating franchi- franchisees was to treat them as true partners. And there was very much a leadership equation in that. And so sometimes we can learn from what not to do by um, people who have wronged us in a managerial position. We, we get into that and we'll say, gosh, I'll never do that. And um, uh, sometimes in the leadership development programs that I participate and teach in, I have a little exercise. Uh, what's the bad boss? What's the worst boss you ever had or know of? And we chart, you know, people, my boss always interrupted. My boss never showed up. My boss took credit for uh, the teamwork. My boss threw people under the bus. And we have kind of fun with that. But it's a way of quantifying behaviors that you want to avoid. And then you, you turn it around, Pat, what are the positives and you know what to do. You know, and what you're talking about is really right there on the edge of people's minds. I mean, how often, John, have you been out in the world, especially doing the work you do, and it's so difficult for people to say what they want in life, but they can really tell you what they don't want. They can really say to you, guess what? You know, I don't want to be homeless, or I don't want to be alone. So, you know, that's part of the conversation, but you come right out. In lesson one, don't even beat around the bush and start with it all starts with character. Can you talk to us about what that means? What does character mean in today's workplace? Well, I'll give you a real big example right now, uh, Pat, and it would go back six months or the last year. What we've experienced is what happens when there is no character. Um, I'll be honest with you that what we have witnessed with the financial meltdown, particularly in the financial services industry, we corporate America um, really showed uh, a colossal lack of leadership, particularly in the financial sector, where um, people that would uh, senior leaders who should have known better simply cast aside solid management principles for whatever reason you might say it was greed but they certainly did not demonstrate a, a, a leadership there was no character in their actions um, and, and what was curious about it was um, uh, when so many of them wanted bonuses for lack of failure. Uh, and I would wonder to myself, I said, if any of their children came home to them and said, well, Dad, I got an F, um, but I could have gotten an F minus, shouldn't I get my allowance? I mean, they would have laughed them out. But that's exactly how they treated their shareholders. And um, it was real class, excuse me, a lack of character, a lack of firm values. And these are you know, for the most part, people we would have thought would be upstanding people, and maybe they are in the rest of their lives. But for those moments when they think many of them betrayed the trust that was instilled in them, that was a lack of character. You know, I wanted to ask you, um, there are many things in the book that we will talk about today. You also identify, you know, top ten things leaders need to know. Uh, before we go forward, I want to just mention to everybody tuning in that I'm I'm really thrilled to have uh, John Baldoni joining us here today. And if you want to find out more, you can go to his website, BaldoniConsulting.com. We'll give you lots of information. And if you go to the website, you're going to be able to kind of visit with John, check out his podcast, check out the video. Also, if you go to the website, there's also he's a contributor to uh, a, you know fabulous, fabulous feature contributor for Harvard Business Publishing. So there's lots of information here, not to mention his other books. I wanted to ask you about the top ten things, John, and I wanted to ask you in your mind, which ones of these are not negotiable? Well, I think it's fundamental that it's. Um, Character, uh, communication, a willingness to serve. 
a willingness to put yourself out for the other person. I, I've come down an evolving definition of leadership for me is doing what the organization needs doing. And what I mean by that is sometimes that's um, promoting people. It may be buying a business, but it also gets down to those tough choices. Uh, you have two equally talented, pe- talented people. Whom do you promote? Or in our downtimes, who must you let go? Those are critical, tough decisions. It also means when there are times of dissent, um, which, how do you tolerate dissent? Do you promote it? Also, when you're out there and the times are really tough, what are you doing to buck up the spirits of your people? And that's, that's your job. Um, I, I know a couple of CEOs um, who really work in the trenches during tough times with their company. A, a friend of mine owns a publishing firm, and um, when they have crunch times, he's down there um, stuffing boxes of, uh, with books, stuffing books into boxes and doing other things. Another friend of mine is an entrepreneur, and um, he owns several restaurants and big businesses, and he works as a busboy. Frequently, So in other words, it's what the organization needs you to do. Now, that doesn't mean CEOs should be working on the assembly line or whatever, but at times you need to buck in and show people what it means to do what's best for the organization, do what the hard things. And I think that's what's non-negotiable, doing the hard things that maybe involve sacrifice. That's probably the most non-negotiable part, Pat. Well, you know, when I looked at the book, I, 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 first of all, I love the quotes. I'm, you know, I, I, I can't remember many of them, but I certainly do love them. And I moved to the lesson that you have in the book, uh, lesson 22, I think, moving from what to how. I think you're touching on that. But the quote that you have here from Bucky Fuller is, you know, it's one of my favorites of all time. And it says, the reward for being a good problem solver is to be rewarded with more and more difficult problems to solve. And I wanted to ask you about that, how that fits in in the context of solution right now for corporations. Well, that's a good, it's a great, I mean, Buckminster Fuller, I believe, was a physicist. And so he loved, so that was right up his sweet spot. And, and so many people I work with are engineers, and so they're generally problem solvers. But I think leaders are like that, too. And it's a good quote, that, because you want to be doing something. You want things to matter. Serious leaders um, want to be in the cauldron. They want to be in that moment of heat. And, uh, of course, the archetypal example of that is is one of my heroes, all-time heroes, is, of course, Winston Churchill. Um, When he was selected prime minister in his late 60s, finally he had achieved it, and it was in Britain's greatest moment of peril. And he said, he went to bed saying, I was born to do this. And it's just, it was fate, it was history, it was whatever. But he was meant for that moment. Roosevelt, too, very much so, um, with all his, his experience and his life history and coming to um, the, the moment of leadership at that critical time in American history when the depths of the Depression in 1933. Abraham Lincoln, too, with his personality. What better president could we have had who could have, you know, helped our nation in its most perilous time when it was, you know, sides were not disagreeing but fighting. And that yet, as we know from Doris Kearns uh, Goodwin's magnificent biography of Team of Rivals, what man but Lincoln would have the gentle humility but strength of character to bring rival people who disagree with him to help him put the nation together? Oh, brilliant example. We're going to be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. John Baldoni joining us here today. If you want to find out more about us, go to drpatlive.com. When we come back, we're going to be talking about handling the tough stuff. What should we know? And then more importantly, how do we execute it? Stay tuned. I've got the uh, expert joining the show tonight. We've got some answers for you. We'll be right back. Proceeding has been a paid program. All opinions expressed during the program are those of the hosts and participants. Do you know how to live courageously? Have you mastered your own mind power to create abundance in every area of your life? With Dr. Joanne White's empowering seminars and books, you'll supercharge your own abilities. The success doc, author, speaker, life, and business coach will help you transform your life and exceed your expectations. Call 1-877-DOC-WHITE or visit docwhite.org to live your dreams right now. 
Do you suffer from insomnia, body aches, fatigue, brain fog, digestive problems, weight gain, or anxiety? You may be dealing with unmanaged stress. The Stress Detective looks for the hidden messages within your stress and partners with you to create a wellness program to dismantle stress from the inside out. Learn to manage your stress and you can stop illness in its tracks. Call Susan Tyler at 888-629-4949 or visit StressDetective.net. Are you living your life to the max? Is there anything you would like to change about how you feel or what you're experiencing? You can have anything you want, and empowerment psychic Linda Dickinson can show you the way. Living your life to the max is more than a catchphrase. It's what we intended when we came into this life. Empowerment psychic medium Linda Dickinson online at InMyFuture.com. For private sessions, call 800-206-9096. Live your life to the max. Is Egypt calling you? Join Dr. Friedemann Schaub and Danielle Rama Hoffman for an initiatory journey to Egypt, May 2010. Picture yourself meditating in the Great Pyramid, cruising down the Nile on a private sailing yacht, and exploring ancient temples in exclusive visits. For a journey that expands your consciousness and opens your heart, Call 866-903-6463 or visit EgyptIsCalling.com. Gotcha. Wow, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Pop Radio to Thrive By, and I'm your host, uh, Pat Vasily, joining you here for the show. If you want to find out more about us, if you want to find out how to listen to any or all of this particular show, go to our website, www.thedrpatshow.com, or go to drpatlive.com. You could also find out more about my guest by going to his website, uh, baldoniconsulting.com, and then right there you're going to see a lot of information about John. You're going to be able to actually connect with him through his videos, through his podcast. And if you scroll down a bit, you're going to find John's books. Right there is Lead by Example, 50 Ways Great Leaders Inspire Results. John, thank you again for joining us here today. My pleasure, Pat. This is, uh, um, I'm talking about my, one of my favorite topics, which, of course, is leadership. Mm. I was saying during the break that part three of the book got me off my feet. It actually got me to stand up and think, wow, you know, these things, is it possible to do some of these? And I would like to talk about it. You know, part three is, is titled Handle the Tough Stuff. And you are just talking about we're going through some really tough times. And some of these many people have heard about, and, and, and honestly, others are really difficult I want to talk about some of these, but I wanted to ask you, you know, if you had to pick, you know, four, three or four of these from Handle the Tough Stuff and say to folks, look, these are the, these are the three or four things I want you to really be committed to doing, what would they be? Well, let me preface that with what, when you say Handle the Tough Stuff, the first thing is do it. Managers get themselves in trouble when they try to avoid obstacles, and it's not—it's not, it's not of, and it's very often because of fear. It's fear of failure. If I, or at least let me skirt this. Now that doesn't mean you have to pick a fight or you have to face every obstacle. But when it's bearing down on you, you have to handle those tough issues. You, ha- if there's dissension in your team, you have to defuse it. If there's, um, an, or if you're leading an organization and there's a competitive threat, you have to face it. Um, if there is a downsizing move. You have to address it. All of those things, you cannot avoid those tough issues. And so the first thing, as a by preface, is face those things. Do them. So back off. If you pick me to four, I'd say probably because we're in the times we're in, a couple of things. I'd say persuade the unpersuaded. So often you are in an organization, and this is an old Hollywood analogy where they used to say that there are, there, for every person who can say yes, there's maybe 50 people or so who can say no. And I think in many ways organizations are not unlike that, Pat. Um, uh, my next book is talking about leading from the middle. So there's a significant resistance, significant pushback from that. And so you need to learn how to convince people, how to persuade people. The next thing you need to know is how to handle the 
feet. Because guess what? There's a lot of people who can tell you no. And so you're going to have to learn to deal with that. And I think a quick thing is don't personalize defeat. And my classic example, I'm going back to the Hollywood thing, is think of how actors go through. They go up for a part and they are rejected. They personally aren't rejected, but their character is. I mean, if you're, uh, if you're uh, Paul Giamatti, a very fine actor, you're probably not going to get the same role that a Brad Pitt would get. But at the same time, so you wouldn't get that role. Well, that's not a personal defeat for Paul Giamatti. It's just he's not the right type. Same for us in organizations. We need to know how to cope with defeat. The next thing, I think, is perseverance. Keep pushing. Keep pushing it. If, it, if it's important, try to make it happen. If it's not happening in the first time, every time, find out how to make it happen. If it's important, you may need to try new things. You may need more schooling. You may need more people. You may need more resources. So, But perseverance, if it's an important thing, is an attribute. And I think the final thing, if you're, if you're going to pin me down, Pat, to four, would be resilience. And I think that's, that is one of the most uh, I, I would say in some ways the leader, it's a virtue in leadership. Resilience is that ability to flex and the ability to bend. And I think Fortunately, at least in our society, I think if, there's, if there is one good lesson from youth sports that we hope our children learn, it's to get knocked down. And there's no shame in getting knocked down. It's what you do about it. It's how you come back. And resilience is so critical. And I think I have a quote in the book from Warren Bennis was saying that the, Warren Bennis is a, uh, now a professor at the Marshall School at the University of Southern California, but has been a university president. But his very first quote job was as a young second lieutenant in the Battle of the Bulge in the Second World War. And he learned leadership pretty darn quickly. But he said that in all his interviews of leadership, significant leaders, there had always been a moment of truth, a moment of testing, where that leader um, overcame the challenge or was tested or was knocked down, but came back. And resilience is so critical. And if you think about all the people uh, who are uh, lined up against you, and that's not, I don't mean to be paranoid, but there's obstacles against us. Um, it's how we cope with that, and it's ability to come back. Uh, that's critical. You know what? Thank you for pulling those out. I was so, like, run on the same page with you, especially about perseverance and resilience. Today I got to chat with Michael, Michael Uslin, and Michael Uslin is a, you don't know his name. You know, many people don't. They're like, who? But when I, when I introduced him today as the man that back in 1979 bought the rights, bought the rights to do Batman movies, Everybody got it. I mean, this is the guy that had to wait 10 years to do his first Batman movie and then never look back. What a great story. That's a story I, of perseverance, eh? But you would, exactly. Yeah. And I was really struck by a couple of things he said, but I was also struck tonight to ask you about something we didn't talk about. And it's actually something that came up a lot in the work that I do. It's, it's one of the lessons in your book, and you call it um, Forgive not forget. Right. And I think I was really struck that you had this in the book. And I wanted to ask you about it because we rarely will see a chapter on forgiving in a leadership book. And I wanted to ask you about it. Well, you know, I guess it it's probably comes out of that tough stuff. But leaders uh, need to be bigger than um, they, they need to act big. And part of that acting big is to radiate confidence and authority, of course. But part of that bigness means being able to look the other way. People will wrong you. And um, you need to be, as a leader, you can't always strike back at them. And I know we throw lots of stones at our politicians, but the really good ones don't get into the gutter with their opposition. They stand above that. And one of my classic examples of this um, is uh, George Marshall, who was one of the unsung, I think, by historical terms, unsung heroes of American history. Uh, mm -hmm. He was our chief of staff of the Army during the Second World War, the man that mobilized the war, excuse me, mobilized the Army to fight the Second World War, and uh, worked hand-in-glove, of course, with Roosevelt in Congress. 
And then he really wanted to retire, and, and Truman said, no, I need you as my um, Secretary of Defense, and then, then later I need you as my Secretary of, uh, of uh, State. I mean, I got him reversed. I think he was Secretary of State first. But it, here is this man who had devoted 50 years of his life from military service to government service. At the height of the Red Scare in 1951-52, um, Joe McCarthy came after him and called um, to call George Marshall, one of our greatest patriots. I, I'll call him a communist, call him a red, uh, you know, call him a pinko. And Marshall just looked the other way. Said, I, and basically thought, I don't need to get in with this, with this rabble-rouser. I know what I've done. And so he just looked the other way. Now, that's not total forgiveness, but it's a, it's a, it's a sense of acting big. Now, it's the specific act of forgiveness, and I put it in the book, was the story that touched many of us a few years ago when those young Amish girls were slaughtered by the gunmen. And one of the grandfathers of the girls who had been slaughtered, the night or shortly after that, said that we should be thinking, people should be thinking of forgiveness for the, for the gunman, but also for the family. He said, imagine the family of that gunman, how they must be feeling. feeling. Now, how could a man who has suffered such a personal intense loss Think about the person who slay, who slew a member of his family. Now, that's forgiveness. Now, that is virtue. And so we kind of learn from that. You know, this is so important to the conversation right now, what's happening in the world. I mean, I went through an era where, you know, for me, you, you, you know, we were going through downsizing. I was the head of HR, you know, in, in, in a Fortune 500 company, and I couldn't implement downsizing. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I had to stand up and say, you know what, I can't fire that woman with one month before retirement. And right now, you know, of course that changed my life all for the better because, you know, you can't stay in an HR position if you're not going to implement policy, John, right? Absolutely not. That doesn't work out. you got to no. go, and they're going to help you go. Right. But right now, there are so many people that, are not used to what's happening in the world, their homes, their jobs. Doesn't forgiveness have a place beyond what we're talking about here? And I want to talk to you about that when we come back, because that goes hand in hand with the chapter you wrote on humility. Get out of the limelight, but more importantly, how do we implement this every day in the workplace? Well, i got to tell you, my guest has some some suggestions for us. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. Hi, this is Anna Luque, author of The Yogurt Diet. Based on scientific research, this lifestyle has been carefully formulated to promote weight loss and boost the immune system. The Yogurt Diet will help you achieve overall balance and radiant health, even if you suffer from lactose and gluten intolerance, yeast infections, digestive problems, and more. Consuming yogurt daily is an excellent way to optimum health and ideal weight. And the yogurt I recommend is Greek God's Greek Yogurt. So thick and creamy. Greek God's yogurt is simply yogurtlicious. Greek God's yogurt is full of probiotic bacteria, good for overall health. And it's made with all natural ingredients in the same tradition yogurt has been made in Greece for centuries. Try the Greek God's popular honey yogurt or the tangy yet subtly sweet pomegranate. Don't forget to try the new Greek God's kefir cheese spread. Great for dips or as a healthy substitute for sour cream. Be happy. Go Greek. Experience the myth. Are you feeling stuck? Do you want to be free from fears and doubts and finally feel good about yourself, but you just don't know how to get there? Dr. Schaub's Accelerated Breakthrough Program provides you with the tools and solutions to go beyond your limitations and achieve self-empowered confidence. Call for your free phone consultation at 866-903-MIND. Visit CellularWisdom.com. That's CellularWisdom.com. Perfco Green, biodegradable by nature, green by choice. 
Traditional trash bags stay in our landfills and pollute the earth for over 800 years or more. Perfco Green trash bags disappear naturally within two years and leave nothing harmful behind. Convert your home, school, and business to Perfco Green. Now available at Walgreens, Amazon.com, OfficeMax, and other local stores. Visit PerfgoGreen.com. That's P-E-R-F, GoGreen.com. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And boy, we're getting a lot of lessons, a lot of information. You know, it's so great to have John Baldoni joining us here today. And the reason it's so great is because no one does a better job about talking about what's going on in the world, in corporations, in business, and in our everyday work lives. Nobody does a better job at this than he does. And he does it in a way that I can wrap my mind around and, and, and totally get it. His book is filled, filled with lessons for all of us. And you can pick one or you can pick them all. But the point is, if you do decide to read the book and pick these lessons and actually carry them out, you will be changed. You will be transformed. Uh, John, thank you for joining us here today. You know, a couple things I mentioned, and I hope I'm giving out the right website. Do, am I sending people to the that right is place? One, but it's real simple. It's just my name, johnbaldoni.com. Thank you. Okay, great. You know, I wanted to, you know, talk about sort of, you know, some of the contrasts in the book. And, you know, we go through that part three, which was really great. I really dug into it, and, and especially avoid the blame game. And then, you know, I moved kind of towards, you know, the, the end of the book, and I think, okay, you know, I think the tough stuff is done. But then you start to talk about some things which I absolutely did not expect. And I want to talk about what you mean when you say put the team first. And you use words like humility, grace, love, good people. I mean, humor, lighten up. What is it that we should put first and foremost about part four, putting the team first? Well, you can boil it down to a very simple statement, and we've heard it all the time, but sometimes we don't act on it. And that's we put our people first. When I talked about leadership being what leaders do is put the organ doing what the organization needs them to do, and that means and and you put your team first. You let them from a practical management standpoint. You let them share in the credit. Um, you let you sh- you shine the light on their them. Um, you also take care of them. Um, it, this. The concept I'm glad you mentioned about love, um, I probably stole that concept from uh, one of our, uh, if you'll allow me to dip into the sports motif, but Vince Lombardi. Um, we, we think of him as a crusty, hard-bitten football coach, which he was, but he always he was also a, um, uh, an accomplished, moti- accomplished speaker, but he, did, he was on the motivational circuit. And he talked a lot about love, and he talked about how teammates love one another, and there's a fine, fine, foundation of that. And so you need to... You need to love your work, I think. You need to have a passion around it. But there has to be respect. And, and that doesn't mean every manager has to love his employees. I'm beyond that. But you have to respect them. You have to care about helping them achieve. And that doesn't mean being a buddy-buddy. But you want to put them in a position where they can succeed. And some teams will truly love one another. I think we do see that in sports teams. I think very definitely we see this with our soldiers, our um uh, Marines who are especially in, in the fields of combat right now, there's no question that they love one another and they stand up for each other. That's probably, and, and, and what's rooted in that, uh, Pat, is the sense of sacrifice. And that's the flip side of leadership. In our me first society, at least my generation, the baby boomers, we were, we were the me firsters and we never really learned that lesson of sacrifice. Well, I think we're learning it belatedly right now with the tough times we're through, in through. But leaders sacrifice for the good of the organization. Um, and so that's where that concept of love comes in and also the sense of humility, um, putting the team first. But leaders are also humble in a very practical sense. Um, which knowing what you don't know and surrounding yourself with good people. You know, effective leaders and effective managers hire 
for difference, people who think differently than them, but they also hire to complement them. For example, if I'm a manager who's a very good conceptual thinker, I need a good detail person. If I'm a real detail person, I may need somebody to help me think big picture, think me, help me think strategically. So you, you do things complementary so that the good, so the team survives. And that sense of humility comes from, hey, I can't do it all. And every leader should know, I cannot do it all. And therefore, I need good people around me. I need good, strong-willed, disciplined people, people who are better than I am, people who can do things better than I am. That's a sense of strength, but also a sense of humility. You know, this is really such an important time to really talk about this and for, you know, people to set an example of what that looks like. I mean, because, you know, what we're talking about here is lead by example. And so we're going to be looking for people that really set the stage for us to follow. One of the things you also talk about, and, and boy, I, I would be, I would regret not talking with you about it before this show comes to an end, and that is grace. You know, you talk about grace, and I would love for you to describe for our listeners, you know, how you talk to the issue of making it look effortless. Um, that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, it's, um, you know, it's one of those things, and it's a good question, Pat, and sometimes to describe the ephemeral, to describe what's easy, um, it's difficult. And I, one of the aspects of grace I learned, and, and if you'll don't, it's a right turn here, but watching Jerry Seinfeld do his, quote, last act when he retired his current bit of comedy. This was probably a decade ago after right. when he was finishing the Seinfeld show. That show, which he did for HBO, look, was very funny, of course, but it looked effortless. You would think, oh, I could do that. Well, no, you couldn't. He had made it look so effortless, and we see that in athletes. We see that in good, in good presenters. But we also sense there's a sense of grace and leadership which comes from making things better for others. There's grace in that. There's a spiritual component to that, but there's a human psychic advantage that, that you, you get when you feel better about yourself. And that's what leaders ultimately should do. You could call it a spirit of positivism. You could call it about belief in, in others and the capabilities of others. And that's what good coaches do. That's what good managers do. Bring out the best in others. So there's a sense of grace in that. And, um, so, and, we like that, and if we see that sense of effortlessness into others, sometimes we're we're drawn to them. And you know, part of this is really a conversation that uh, you, you know we could give lots of examples on radio. You know, we've learned that we have to be in that moment of grace. I mean, it's kind of like when you're scheduling an interview with with Olivia Newton-John or or someone, and all of a sudden the phone line drops. And there's this blasting sound, and you think, I've now just lost an opportunity of a lifetime. But you can hold yourself together and be poised and dial the phone back. And it's really kind of an interesting place to be. It's also, I think, as you just described, very difficult to describe. But, boy, John, don't you know when you're in that moment? Absolutely. And you raise something which is probably complements that, that's a sense of composure. Leaders have to keep it together. And especially now in our tough times, leaders need to radiate that confidence, but they need to, to slow things down, to make things calm. Why? So that others can come to them. Make it safe for me to believe in someone else's leadership. And that's a gift. That's a sense of grace, if you will. And I think that's what we're looking for in our leaders now. But at the same time, as we, uh, we opened our conversation with, there's a reciprocity there. We can't, we, leaders can't do it all. We as followers have to, do, have to do our part. And I have a column right now on Harvard Business, which addresses the reciprocity um, of what the give back is and uh, that the expectations for we as employees need to follow our leaders. And um, there's a, it's an interesting dynamic. Well, it is. And, you know, all of this, when we wrap it all and we put it all together, you so wonderfully remind us, dang, we got to lighten up here. It's only work. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Life is short, so we got to laugh along the way. So, uh, and, you know, I was reading this, and I was, I, was, uh, I, I was brought back to a time when, you know, I was in my last corporate management position, and we were in the middle of a crisis. We were getting ready to downsize, and someone said to me, well, what are you going to do? I said, you know what? We're all going to go bowling. And we packed everything up and we went bowling. And believe me, that was not exactly the right thing to do. But the point was that things are going to happen. How can we execute them in a way that has dignity? And what you've really put in this book really helps me, and I'm sure the listeners, understand that there is a way to be effective at work and also, you know, stand for dignity. Well, thank you, and um, it's a pleasure to be on your show and to share a little bit of the distilled wisdom that I'm passing along to others to help us be, navigate uh, our tough times and to uh, uh, help us lead uh, one another as we mm. get through it. Oh, well, I wanted to ask you as we wrap up, in, you know, we've talked about so much here, and I want to thank you again, uh, John, for joining me. What is your personal message for folks today? Personal message is um, believe in yourself, uh, believe in the positive that you can give to others and make things happen. Well, I'm right there with you. Thank you, John. Let's give out your website one more time and let folks know how they can get a copy of the book. Um, go to my website, which is johnbaldoni.com. My book, all my books are available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstores, or um, through my website. So they're pretty widely available. Well, John, thank you so much for a great, great show, great conversation. I really appreciate all that you're doing. My pleasure, and thank you for inviting me. You bet. I want to thank all of you for tuning us in and turning us on. We so love you. You are the best listeners, and I want to make an announcement. For those of you that are listening to the podcast and the archives and are trying to call in during those shows, we're going to set something special up so that you will be able to connect with us or connect with the author or connect with the guest, even if the show is not live. But you have to give us a couple of weeks to do that. In the meantime, the overflow goes to my cell phone, and it's been great talking with, like, hundreds of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And remember, sign up for our newsletter, www.drpatlive. And until next time, remember, you are truly magnificent. Don't forget it. It may be tough on the outside, but you're amazing on the inside. All right, we'll see you next time.